I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. And today I'm super thankful for this umbrella uh, and for the guys who just moved it. So uh, thankful for those who care about my dome and uh, my nearly transparent skin. So I'm really thankful for all of you. So just uh, as we come to God's word, it is God's word. It is just that. It is God's revelation of himself and how he wants to be known, how he wants us to understand him and relate to him. And we've been working our way through the book of Exodus, and we've come to the Ten Commandments. And as we come to commandment number four, just to kind of give, you, give us a recap, I want to remind you that we've been learning through the Ten Commandments who God is. God's commandments reveal the nature of God, reveal who he is. And it also tells us who we are as God's people, that we're being defined by these laws. To be redeemed by God means that he's making a people for himself. And in making a people and a nation for himself, he's also giving us the laws of how we are to live. And we've learned so far that the law cannot justify us, but the law does define us. It's a fence that God has set for his people to live within. We can't be justified and redeemed by God's law. No, he does that by his grace. But then his law becomes a joy to us as we're taught of God's holiness and our sinfulness and how he is making us more and more like Jesus. Jesus. And so really what the law is in the Old Testament, it's a waiting for Jesus to come and fulfill the law so that all of us who could not keep the law could be in right relationship with God, be the ones who are the redeemed of God's, as God's people. And so we come now to, to commandment number four. And as we look at commandment number four, it's one that has a lot of application for today. But I'll tell you, it's actually one of the more difficult ones because... All nine other commandments are repeated explicitly in the New Testament. Commandment number four is not repeated in the New Testament. In fact, we're told by the Apostle Paul that we can't judge people by what day they worship on. We can't judge people in that way. Instead, we have faith in Christ, and Christ is the fulfillment of all of the commandments. And so it's a little bit of a difficult thing. I mean, it's easy for me to say, thou shalt not steal, right? And we can all go... Well, yeah, that applies today. But what do we do with the Sabbath day? What do we do with the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week? Because let's just admit it, you're all, all out here on the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week. So how does this apply? What do we do with all of this? And, and I want to kind of set this as a standard for all that we study in God's word. And it comes really from the video that we just saw and a reminder of this. We live in a world where everybody wants to take their experience and our time frame and all of the context we live in and use that to interpret the Bible. But we believe that the Bible should interpret the world around us and our own lives, not the other way around. We believe that the Bible should interpret the world around us and our own lives and not the other way around. It's important for us to understand that because for 2,000 years we've had the New Testament. And if in every era and time frame people just changed its meaning to fit their context, we'd have no real word from God. But we do have a word from God. He wants us to know him. And he wants his word to interpret our lives, not the other way around. So... I want us to keep that in mind as we come to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, as we look at these four verses to see what God says about this holy day, this day set apart to himself, and then how we apply that in the New Testament as believers as well. So if you would just look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, the word of the Lord says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You can immediately see how the law is tied into the very character and action of God. We have a Sabbath day because God made the seventh day holy by him resting. We have a Sabbath day being given to us because we are to keep God as holy and revered. And so I just want to dive really quickly into a couple of realities when it comes to this commandment. Let's, let's deal with it the way we're kind of unpacking each of these. We want to look at what the Word of God says in its entirety about the, the Sabbath day. We also want to see all of, the, all of the realities, positive and negative, of this. If God's telling us not to do something, he's also telling us to do something, right? So it's not just what not to do, it's also what we should be doing. And then there's external and internal realities. There's actions we need to take, but there's also heart issues that we need to deal with. There's a faith issue we need to deal with. So as we look at that, as we look at this text, I want you to keep those things in mind. So let's look at what the Word of God says. Let's look at what the commandment actually is, because it's impossible for us to interpret and apply it unless we actually know what it says. Right? So what's the first part of the commandment? It says, remember the Sabbath day. Right? The command is remember the Sabbath day. Weekly, remember the Sabbath day. This isn't a one-time, remember the Sabbath day. It's a weekly reminder. And why do we need to be reminded? Because we forget. You don't need to be reminded unless you are forgetful. And let's just all come to terms with the fact that we are forgetful people. We're forgetful in all kinds of ways, but we're especially forgetful in the most important things and the most important ways. It would be our nature to forget that God is in control. Forget that God is the provider. Forget that God is the redeemer. Forget that God made us and we belong to him. If it weren't for a day to be reminded of those things. And so the Sabbath day is meant to remind us. Phil Riken said, we are prone to forget the great work of God in creation and redemption. This Sabbath day is to remind us that God has built the Sabbath into his created order. The Sabbath is built into creation, as we see there in verse 11, but also in Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day, he rested. He blessed it, and he made it holy. The Sabbath was instituted. This wasn't a, a new law at Mount Sinai. The Sabbath had already been instituted for the people in the wilderness. Remember, God gave them manna, and he said, hey, go gather it for six days, but on the sixth day, make sure you gather a double portion so you have enough for the Sabbath day, because it's a holy day. Don't go out and gather on that day. So they were already in this routine. Now he's saying, now set it apart for something holy. Make sure it is set apart to the Lord your God, verse 10 tells us. The Sabbath is a reminder of God as creator, as our sustainer, our provider, but also as our redeemer. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, this law is once again repeated. And in being repeated, there's an explanation given of why this is essential. It says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock. I mean, we've got to get our livestock to rest on this day. This is getting important. 
or the sojourner who is within your gates, even your visitors, even the people who are in your home or in your city, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why keep the Sabbath day? Because God redeemed you. You keep the Sabbath day to be reminded to observe the fact that you don't save yourself. That God saves you. He redeems you. He redeemed you out. And if you don't keep this day, you'll forget. You'll forget. You'll start resting or or striving in your own ability, or resting in your own, on your own laurels of what you can accomplish. But if we're going to remember that God in his mighty hand and outstretched arm is the one who redeemed us, the law tells us we need the Sabbath. So the first thing we see here is it's a remembrance. Remember, that's the first command. Remember why? Because we'll forget otherwise. We need time set aside so that we'll remember Martin Luther was once asked, why do you keep preaching the gospel every week? Every week is the same thing. It's gospel, gospel, gospel. He goes, because every week you seem to forget it. Isn't that true in your life? Because it's true in my life. Without reminders, I'll absolutely begin to trust myself or the people around me or listen to voices I shouldn't listen to. But we need to be reminded that our God is creator, redeemer, and provider. The second part of the command is keep the Sabbath day holy. The command tells us to keep the Sabbath day holy, to give God glory for his grace. To We set apart a day. God has set this apart. It's supposed to be separate, different from every other day. Six days you work, seventh day you rest. Seventh day set apart. This Sabbath was meant to be set apart. And by a day being set apart, which was different than the rest of the world, Nobody else in the world was doing this. Nobody else was taking a day off in this way. And you can imagine, as you're trying to make a new nation, it doesn't seem like the most, the smartest way to go about being productive to take a day off. When everybody else is working and getting ahead, and you're taking a day off from all the work, it doesn't seem the most prudent or the most productive way of doing things, but God demands it from his people because he wants them to be reminded that they are a set-apart people. That they're different than the rest of the world. This becomes a marker for them of God's people as being separate and different from all of the other peoples of the world. Ezekiel chapter 20 tells us that God gave us the Sabbath. It says, moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. We're given the Sabbath. The people of Israel were given the Sabbath so that they could know that they were being made holy. That God was making them into the people he desired them to be. The Sabbath was to be set apart as a marker of God's people so that they'd be marked out as holy. The Sabbath was a time for God's people to gather. Leviticus chapter 23, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation, a holy assembly, a time to gather as God's people. This is when God's people would gather. You shall do no work. It is, it is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So if command part one is remember, command part two is keep holy, then it stands to reason that if we don't remember, we will forget. And if we don't keep it holy, we're not demonstrating that we're the people of God. That seems to be the case for the Israelites and what the case God is making in his law. 
So how do we keep the Sabbath holy? How would the Israelites keep the Sabbath holy? How would they set apart this time? There's a positive and negative reality to that. The first is, do remember. You need to remember. There should be an active remembrance. There should be some time where we stop and we go, I need to remember that God is God and I am not. I need to remember that God is creator, that God is redeemer, that God is provider. I need time set apart in my week to make sure that I understand who God is. We do work for six days. It says, do all your work in six days. Work is a good thing in the Bible. Working for your salvation is something you can't accomplish. But working in life, we have a God who worked. We have a God who works. We have a God who has been at work. We are made in his image and we work. From the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, work wasn't a punishment. Work was actually a delight in the Garden of Eden. One day you're going to be in heaven. Guess what you're going to be doing while you're in in heaven? Working. I mean, ruling sounds like work. Right? When we're ruling and reigning right beside King Jesus, we're going to have jobs. We're going to have work. We're just going to really like them. I guarantee you're going to really enjoy your job. Work is something that has a positive, is a positive in Scripture. It's not a negative. In fact, the Thessalonian Christians were told if somebody works because, or doesn't work because they're waiting for Jesus to return, and so they're like, if Jesus returns tomorrow, I don't want to be stuck at work, then they don't eat. I mean, work is something we do. So do work, but also rest. Also stop working. To understand that When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we understand that the most basic of needs is not something we earn. It's something that's provided by God. So at some point, we've got to stop working. And we've got to trust the Lord, and we've got to honor the Lord as the one who provides for us. We're to keep the Sabbath to God. Pursue the Lord's pleasure in this day. We're supposed to lead our families to do the same. It says, don't let your son or daughter, don't let your servants, don't let your livestock, don't let your guests and visitors work on this day. Set it apart. Make it obvious that this is the day set apart to the Lord. Do remember and honor God, sanctifying the day with our whole beings. Our whole life should be poured into honoring God on this day. So if I were to boil all of this down, it would look like this. How do we keep the Sabbath day holy? It's remembering this. Remember the Sabbath, you remember God. To remember the Sabbath is to remember God. This seems to be the Old Testament pattern. To keep the Sabbath holy would be to regard God as holy. Once again, an Old Testament pattern. To forget the Sabbath would be to disregard God as creator, redeemer, and provider. The more we neglect God and the honoring of God and setting apart this day to honor God, the more we rely on ourselves, not on him. So, that's Old Testament though, right? And the New Testament gives us a lot of freedom. The Apostle Paul in Romans 14, in Colossians chapter 2, gives us a lot of freedom. And he's like, it's not really about Sabbaths and festivals and feast days. So what do we do with that? Well, what we do with that is we still say, is the Sabbath really just practical? Even when it was given in the law in Exodus 20, is that just a practical reality? Make sure you take a day off. Because that's the way you would read it if you were of the world. You would read it and you would say, six days you work, take a day off. 
The world has kind of adopted that in some ways. Make sure you take a day off. In fact, you can read Christian psychologists who will tell us that a Sabbath is necessary for every individual. You need a day every week where you take rest. And that sounds really practical and really good. And I would even say it may be really helpful. But that's not what Sabbath is in the Old Testament. It's not what Sabbath is in the Bible. Sabbath is a, is a marker of God's people. Sabbath is what marks us apart from the rest of the world. So it's not taking a day off. It's just taking a day to God. Taking a day as holy. Well, I would argue that we should be more willing, since we know Jesus who is the fulfillment of this fourth commandment, we should be more willing to take a day holy to the Lord. Not less willing. We should be more desirous of a day where we gather together as God's people and we exalt Jesus because we've seen the fullness, not just in part. Because now our faith is, has found a resting place in Jesus. We're not waiting for anything else. We have Jesus who has fulfilled all of this. And my argument would be for us today as God's people that a day set apart to the Lord should be more essential in our lives than it was for Old Testament believers, Old Testament Israelites. What does that look like? Well, I think there's internal and external realities we have to deal with. This isn't just a purely practical thing. This is, this is theological, and we need to deal with it that way. So let's look at it in a basic way. What is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath in the Old Testament? Well, the first thing we see is it's a gift. That's what Ezekiel chapter 20 tells us. I gave them my Sabbaths. See, the Sabbath isn't a duty we do. The Sabbath is a gift from God. A day set apart by God that we would worship Him. And we need to remember this. When we understand that it's a gift, then we begin to comprehend that all of our time is a gift from God. None of it actually belongs to us. Every second of every day. Every year, every minute, everything you live, every moment you live is a gift from God. None of it actually belongs to us. And just think of this as a gift. Think of it as grace real quick. You ready for just a second? Would God not be just as justified to look at us in all of his worth, in all of his holiness, in all of his worthiness, to look at us and say, six days you shall worship, one day you shall work. He has every right to do that. He made us. And he made time. He could say, get all your work done in one day because the other six are to be set apart for me. So we look, when we look at time and we begin to understand that God is not making a, an unruly demand upon us. Instead, he's saying, hey, I've given you something. I want you to use it to my glory. That's the command. I've given you time. Use it for my glory. The Sabbath is a gift. The Lord has numbered our days. And the more we understand that, we will see every day is a gift from him. Remember when you were much younger and you thought you had forever to live. Then you hit 40 and you thought you were going to die. And then you hit 45. And they have to start bringing umbrellas out for you. Because you're just that old guy up there preaching now. Right? You remember how the older you got, the more each day seemed to mean. What if we read God's word and we understand that each day is a gift? 
including a day set apart to the Lord. What is the Sabbath? It's a gift. What else is the Sabbath? It's holy. We're to set it apart as holy and sanctified. How do we keep it holy? Well, worship is a way to keep the Sabbath holy, to set the day apart to God, who is holy. If we're going to have a day be holy, we're going to have to focus on something holy, and the only one holy is God. So to make a day holy, we're going to have to make it about God. This is the biblical way throughout the history of God's people. The Old Testament is full of Sabbath resting and and gathering together as God's people. There are even Sabbath years, not just Sabbath days. And then every seventh, seventh year, there would be a 50th year, the year of Jubilee. There were years of rest, not just for God's people, but for the land. God has built this in as setting apart and sanctifying his people. And worship, celebration, festival, joy is the way of keeping the day holy. In the age of the temple and the synagogues, Sabbath worship continued. In the age of the Pharisees, they brought all kinds of extra laws to keep the Sabbath. They started telling people when and where they could pluck out gray hairs and how far you could walk. And they added all kinds of laws. And you can say whatever you want to about the Pharisees. And Jesus had a lot of really interesting things to say about the Pharisees. But one thing you can say is at least they were trying to be holy. It's more than you can say for a lot of us. They weren't making excuses not to keep the day holy. And I find it much easier to make excuses of why it shouldn't be. Jesus made a habit of worship on the Sabbath, did he not? It was his habit. It was his custom to enter the synagogue on the Sabbath. In fact, he kind of had his coming out party and teaching by coming in on the Sabbath day, taking the scroll from Isaiah, reading it, and sitting down and saying, Today, this has been fulfilled. The New Testament church was kind of in a quandary when it came to the Sabbath day. Jewish believers would want to worship and gather on the Sabbath. But the New Testament church began to adopt the first day of the week as a day of Jesus being the fulfillment of the Sabbath, and he rose again on the first day of the week. So what do you do? Do we have conflict in the church over who, what day is the holy day? Well, Paul says, worship on Saturday, worship on Sunday. Just worship. Set a day apart to the Lord. But the New Testament did, church did replace the Sabbath with the Lord's day, the first day of the week. In Acts chapter 20, we see evidence of this. It was a day for teaching. This is one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. It's the story of Eutychus. And maybe you remember the guy Eutychus, but Paul was preaching one day. He came to town and he was preaching and it was late at night and everybody was really tired. And Eutychus was a young man and he was sitting up on a windowsill on the top floor and fell asleep during Paul's sermon, which always makes me feel better to know that somebody fell asleep during Paul's sermons. Um, And he fell asleep and fell out of the window and died. I've had a lot of crazy stuff happen while I'm preaching. I've preached all over the world, but the craziest stuff has always happened here. We've had people just fall out in the middle of services. We've had all kinds of crazy stuff that's happened. Never had anybody, anybody fall out of a window and die. Paul raised him by the power of God. But what day of the week were they gathered for teaching? Anybody want to guess? On the first day of the week. 
The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian Christians that on the first day of every week, take up an offering, put something aside and store it up so that when I come and I gather all that together for believers in other places, you don't have to take up another offering that day. The Lord's Day was a gathering day for Christians, for worship, for remembering the Lord through the Lord's Supper, for giving, for teaching. What is the Sabbath? It's a gift. It's a holy gift. And remember this, it is a reminder. The Sabbath is a reminder. The Sabbath teaches us by reminding us. The Sabbath reminds us of God as creator and redeemer. Every time we take a break, we remember God rests. We remember him as the one who has made us. He's the redeemer who set us free. We stop our working to remember that God does not save us by our works, but by his grace. We gather together to remember God because the Sabbath reminds us of creation's design, that God has built the usefulness of this rest into everything that we see. But more than anything, apart from honoring God as creator and as redeemer and as sustainer and provider, what the Sabbath does is it defines God's people. What the Lord's Day does, what us coming together does, is it defines us as God's people. It's the most obvious intentional move we can make on a Sunday morning to show the rest of the world that we are the people of God. How will they know we are Christians in our culture? Well, when the whole rest of the culture stays home on Sunday and we get up and we don't stay home, they'll get a clue. Gathering together and setting apart a day to the Lord will make us so distinct from the rest of the world. There'll be no doubt who our God is. This is an institutional reality for us, this day to gather together as God's people. You won't find an easier or better way to tell your neighbors that you define yourself as a follower of Christ than getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. When they don't get up, and you do, when they see you every Sunday as they're cutting their grass and you're getting in the car to drive to church, it's going to be an obvious witness to them that you are, that we are the people of God. And and if we read through the Old Testament, the fact is that God's people have often risen and fallen by how they treated the Lord's Day, how they treated the Sabbath. God's... God's discipline on his people as the people of Israel were always about how they treated him. And the primary way he could point to is what they did with the Sabbath. If they forgot or dishonored the Sabbath, then they often forgot and dishonored God. Is that not the same in your life and in my life with the Lord's Day? The more we forget the Lord's Day, the more our life doesn't match up with what we say we believe. I just, I'll, I'll ask you, have you ever been worse off from worshiping the true God? With true believers? God's design is for us to do this life together as God's people, and we gather together as God's people. And so we're told in the command to set the day apart. So what does that mean for the life of the believer? What does that mean for you and me? If the Sabbath is a reminder, it's a holy gift from God, then we have to remember that this 
command is not just purely practical. It's not just, hey, go through a ritual. No, this is a theological reality. This isn't just a matter of freedom. You get to pick and choose whatever you want. This is a matter of theological importance for us. The Lord's Day exists to point us to faith in the one who gives rest. We have a day of rest to point us to the one who gives rest. But it's also a day to identify ourselves as the people of God. So, boil it all down, the Lord's day is an issue of faith. It's an issue of faith. Will we trust God with our time? Will we trust God that all those balls that I've been juggling all week, I can put them down and God still makes the world turn? Can I trust God enough as my creator, my redeemer, my provider? To lift him up one day instead of holding up everything else. Will I order my life by God's design? Will I live in such a way that I trust God to provide? Will I live in such a way that I'll gather together with other believers and set time apart because I'm going to be spending eternity with these people worshiping God? I might as well get some practice now. Think of that. That's what this is. This is dress rehearsal for eternity. We gather together as God's people. We're demonstrating that God is our God, and we're going to be proclaiming that for eternity with one another. I, I remember what the Lord's Day looked like when I was a kid. This is what the Lord's Day looked like. We got up early. We got dressed. We went to the church. We stayed, sometimes for two services, Sunday school. We went home and we ate a meal with our family and sometimes somebody from the church if there was a guest preacher they'd come to our house and eat with us and then you know what we did we took a nap every sunday like my parents would set alarms so that we wouldn't leave our room we took a nap to this day i will not cut the grass on a sunday i will go take a nap it's the greatest reason not to cut the grass ever, guys. Let's go take a nap on a Sunday afternoon. To this day, every Sunday, if I'm not hopping on a plane, I'm taking a nap. And the great thing about me is if I hop on a plane, I get a nap. I'll sleep every time I get on a plane. Sunday afternoons are nap, and then we get up and we go back to church. And when we went back to church, we went back for training union. Some of you remember the days of training union. And evening worship service. I called it B-side worship service, right? Because there were like a third or tenth the people with a third the activity going on. We'd go back to church and we'd spend time with God's people. And I'm just going to tell you, my life is not worse because of that. My life is better because of that. To have days set apart unto the Lord. So I'll ask you, as I've had to ask myself, when you make a habit of gathering with God's people weekly and set a day apart to be with God's people, how's your spiritual walk? Is it better or worse? And when you don't make that habit, how is your spiritual walk? Better or worse? How's your spiritual witness to the people around you when you make the point to gather with God's people regularly versus I'll stay at home this week? You see, this is God's design that setting apart a day to him and gathering with God's people would push us more and more towards Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Everything about the Sabbath was a shadow 
Colossians will tell us. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, Mark 2.28 would tell us. Jesus is the one who is the fulfillment of giving our souls rest. What did he say? Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you more burdens. He said, rest. And he promises eternal rest. Eternal Sabbath with him. Flip over in your Bibles as we close to Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. I want you to see this, and I want you to mark this, because if you want a great devotional to work through for the week on what it means to be the people of God, longing for and waiting for that rest that comes, that true Sabbath that comes because of Jesus, just read chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 says this, verses 7 through 11 says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. When the people of God got the law of God, they hardened their hearts against God. That's why an entire generation didn't make it to the promised land. He says, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. He promises them Sabbath rest, but they're not going to enter it unless they trust him, unless they obey in faith. Chapter 4, verses 2 to 3 says this, For good news came to us just as them. They heard the good news. They heard that God is Redeemer. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. There's a whole generation that didn't listen by faith. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says this, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also entered, rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is what it all boils down to. If you boil those three passages down, this is what it says. How do you enter this eternal rest? By faith. And what does faith looks like? look like? Obedience to God's command to enter rest. How do you enter this rest? By faith. The good news, chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, the good news came to us. The good news of God's redemption came to us just like it did to them. But they were not united by faith. They did not believe. But we who have believed, we're the ones who get to enter that rest. And the call today is enter the rest by believing that Jesus is the fulfillment of that rest. That he's the only one who can give rest. And if you have entered that rest, if you've trusted Jesus and you're no longer striving for your own righteousness, but you've received his righteousness by faith, guess what? Now start obeying. Honor him. Honor him as the one who gives rest. Set apart a day. Set apart time. Because my argument today is this. If, if the Old Testament law of the Sabbath was just a shadow... 
And Jesus is the fulfillment and the reality. If the Sabbath was a shadow of the greater reality found in Christ, if the Sabbath was a primary demonstration of the character of God and God's people in the Old Testament, then if we have Jesus and he's the fulfillment, how much more essential and important is the keeping of the Lord's Day now? If that was a shadow and this is the substance, how much more important is it for us to keep the Lord's Day now? To set apart a day for the Lord, to honor the Lord with our lives, with our time, to say he's the most important priority, to point others in our community and in our lives and in our families to him, to teach our children, to teach our daughters and our sons, to teach those who work for us, to take everything that we own and put it towards this day. How much more essential is it for us to keep the Lord's day as a picture of Jesus's redemption? Is a picture of the promised heavenly rest that we have coming. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The argument by the writer of Hebrews here, after he's shown us that the Sabbath rest comes by faith, the argument here is this. The closer the day comes for Christ to return, the more, not the less, but the more we should commit ourselves to the declaration of our faith. And the simplest way to declare your faith in Jesus Christ is to keep the Lord's day holy. To gather with the people of God. So the call today is this. Do not harden your heart to the good news of our Redeemer God. Remember that He is Creator. Remember that He is Redeemer. Remember that He is Provider. And in faith, obey His voice today. Believe on Jesus and enter your rest. Trust Him today. Father, I pray that we would do just that that your word by your spirit would draw us to faith and that Christ would be exalted among us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.